0: This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Today on episode number 665 of the School of Podcasting, we're talking about saying more with less. I'm going to give you real-life examples of how I edit my show, and you're going to be a fly on the wall as I work with one of my coaching clients to shape their intro. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. That's right. I am celebrating now 14 years. April 4th was the first day I launched an episode. I've been doing it a while. I'm Dave Jackson, and I am so happy you are here. This is where I help you massage your message. We're talking about that a lot today. I'm going to help you tackle the technology. Face your fears and flatten the learning curve and not just get you podcasting because you can go watch a bunch of old outdated YouTube videos for that. I'm going to get you podcasting in the right way that's going to maximize your impact. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, LISTENER, when you go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start and sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And I always like to start off the show with a because of my podcast story, and I've actually got a couple in the can. So thank you to Sherry and Scott for sending those in. But today I'm going to share one that actually wasn't sent in, but I heard about, and that is Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. We've had Emily on here before because of her podcast. She got a book deal and because of her podcast now, she's been nominated for a Webby Award. That's really cool. So I just wanted to say congratulations to Emily. She's a great friend of mine. I've known her for years. And, of course, if you're a regular listener of the show, you know she bought me soup when I was sick in Washington, D.C. So, Emily, congratulations on your Webby Award. If you can answer that question because of my podcast, blank. And the answer is just something that, well, wouldn't have happened except, you guessed it, you have a podcast I would love to hear it. Just email me Dave at school of podcasting.com. It doesn't have to be a WAV file. It could be an MP3. Just put because of my podcast in the subject line and attach your recording or go out to school of podcasting.com slash contact. There are other ways to contact me.
1: There are institutional problems. I've been listening to podcasts. What do you mean by that? I mean what I'm saying, man. Podcast Institutional Problems. Goes to lyrics from Misery Road, man.
0: I want to give a quick shout out to Morgan Cole from BrightlinePodcast.com. David Hooper from RedPodcast.com and BigPodcast.com. Check out the book, Big Podcast. It's actually pretty good. I'm kind of torn right now. Do I binge watch Game of Thrones or do I finish reading Big Podcast? It's a tough decision, but you can read it anytime you want. Just go to BigPodcast.com and Eric K. Johnson for saving my butt. Both these gentlemen and Eric are all in this episode as we talk about editing, and they've all given me their permission, as well as myself, as I throw myself under the bus quite a bit. Enjoy. A lot of what I'm talking about today is an opinion, and this is going to be one of those cases where it depends Some of you are going to listen to this and go, wow, I need to do this. And other people are going to go, Dave, you you crazy. So, and I understand that. I'm just going to share my opinion. But there are some things here that are facts. Have you ever heard of the Keystone Cliffs? No, probably not. Nobody really cared about the Keystone Cliffs until somebody carved a bunch of presidential faces in them. And it became Mount Rushmore. And my point here is editing can basically take a bunch of rocks and make it a now national memorial. Well, it's the same thing with your podcast. And this is where some people bust out the scalpel. Other people do no editing at all. They're going to keep it real, yo. Okay, that's fine. It's really, it's up to you. There are no rules on podcasting. My best practice is I picture myself as a goalie. And what's coming out of my mouth is coming at you And I decide if it delivers value or not. If it does, I let it go past me. If it doesn't, I cut it out. And so the first thing I want to talk about is what I'm going to call low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit is where you hear a clip and somebody goes, um, and then they say something that is just screaming, cut me out. So let me give you an example of one. This is from the podcast review show. We're going to talk about this clip twice. This is a show I do with 30-year radio veteran, podcast talent coach, Eric K. Johnson. You can find it at podcastreviewshow.com. Both Eric and I listen to your podcast, your episode, multiple times, and then we go over the technology, the audio quality, your website, your goals of your podcast. I mean, we go over your podcast from top to bottom, and then we tell you what we feel you're doing right, and maybe there are some things that you could be doing better. And so I found a low hanging um that I just want to explain here. The one thing for me, when we got about halfway through, uh, you get to the commercial segment. Now does one, um, ruin the podcast? No, but it takes seconds to fix. Check this out about halfway through, uh, you get to the commercial segment about halfway through you get to the commercial segment. Very easy to remove. I did a whole episode on crutch words and typically Crutch words can be very easy to remove. Now, this particular clip, why I'm showing you this is it demonstrates the curse of knowledge. And Eric and I on the podcast review show, we reviewed multiple shows from the same network. And it turned out that they used the same engineer. The same guy named Mike was editing all of their shows. Eric and I knew that. And I forgot that the audience didn't. So let's listen to the rest of this clip. The one thing for me, when we got about halfway through, you get to the commercial segment. And I think we've talked to Mike about this before. For me, three minutes was a long commercial break And So again, the audience doesn't know who Mike is. And luckily when you have, Eric K. Johnson as a co-host, he'll come in and save you.
1: Yeah. So um, if you're uh, if you're new to the podcast review show, Mike produces a lot of these uh two guys talking series on the network. We've talked with Mike on a couple of other shows, discussed a lot of these topics. So when Dave's mentioning Mike, that's who Mike that's is. That's who Mike, Mike, Mike is, yes.
0: Now in the interview I did with David Hooper in episode six six four, we were talking about his red podcast, which you can find at redpodcast.com. And one of the episodes involved Dave calling somebody that was perpetuating an IRS scam, which, again, the Red Podcast is kind of outside the box. I had listened to the episode. Obviously, Dave knew it. And we were talking about that episode. And I forgot that you didn't know about it. So that particular story didn't make the episode. Now, again, we had a lot of material to pick through. So I wasn't super worried that that story didn't make it. But that's why, because I would have had to, and I, I could have easily popped in and said, hey, here's the story behind this. But I was like, nope, we've got a lot of great material in this interview. I'm just gonna leave that one on the floor. My goal when I'm doing an interview is to make my guest sound good. The other problem I run into is I wanna make myself not sound like an idiot. And so this is an example of, I was explaining how to create his book, David talked to a lot of people, in and out of radio and in and out of content marketing. And so here was the original way I somewhat asked this question. Yeah. Cause I know you, you talk about all sorts of radio people cause of your radio background. And then you're talking about uh, Jeff um, read the lead. Help me with his last name. Jeff Brown. Jeff Brown. How could I, can I remember Jeff Brown and all these cool people that uh, you know, from podcasting land. So it's a great mix of that. You, you, talk about all sorts of radio people because of your radio background. And then you're talking about all these cool people, uh, you know, from podcasting land. So it's a great mix of that. So in that edited clip, and I'm just going to play the before and after of these, I didn't sound like an idiot. I felt bad that I couldn't remember Jeff Brown's name because how can you forget Jeff Brown? He's awesome. But the bottom line was I was trying to get the point across that David interviewed, A lot of people for this book and spoke to a lot of people so that edited clip still made that point very clear my crutch word is and um and here's just a quick example of a before and after and uh i don't want to go into this story i don't want to go into this story now again one um is going to kill you one and um is going to kill you but I actually, as a joke last week, because it was April Fool's, took these. And these are not, like, copied and put together. These are actual ums and you knows and stuff that I took out. Just going to play a couple samples of this.
1: So, so, yeah. Um,
0: and, um, 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 and, um, and, uh, like. But, you know, you <laughs> like. uh, So I mentioned these are low-hanging fruit. There are times when I will try to fix something and if i really have to bust out a scalpel i will pass let me give you an example of a bad edit now if somebody's bringing in like you said like the, it's like a producer bringing in talent so the talent's going to be involved in the interview how do you go about making somebody who may not be that interesting like what's your your prep for that now if somebody's bringing in like you said like the producer bringing in talent so the talent's going to be involved in the interview what's your prep for that so i was kind of missing the word a a producer there. And it just sounded kind of weird, but that's half my problem. Many times when I'm interviewing somebody, I cannot spit out the question, especially if it's a follow-up question, but that's okay. There's editing. Felicia wants to know, how did the book or how did you book interviews when you were just starting out? Now I'm going to break in here because I should have just shut up there, but instead I said this. So I guess with music, business, radio, (laughs) did you always have guests lined up? Yeah, I guess it's kind of easy in Nashville, but have you ever been in a situation, maybe now with big podcasts, you don't do a lot of interviews on that show, but so now busting in again, I've taken a question. How do you get guests when you're first starting out? I've turned it into a yes or no question, which is horrible with third interviews, and I'm going to try to turn it around now again, back to how do you get guests when you first start out? If you're a brand new podcast, how do you, you know, when you're. When nobody knows who you are, how do you get interviews? Holy cow, spit it out. This was the edited version. I said, hey, David Hooper's coming on the show. What should I ask him? So Felicia wants to know, how did you book interviews when you were just starting out? Now, another thing I want to keep in mind here is David does have a radio show. And so when he answered on how, yes, his radio show does help. Let me give you a little bit of that.
1: Well, I'll tell you how I started with Music Business Radio, and and we did have an advantage, which I will admit is that we were on one of the top radio stations in Nashville. It's very well respected. For the last three years, it's been the top AAA station in the country, according to Friday Morning Quarterback.
0: And I kind of struggled with this. I was going to leave this in because it gives Dave street cred. Not only is he on a station, but it's a good station, But I thought, well, what would you say if I played you that clip and I could see you going, well, that's not fair. He has a radio station. So I went to the part of the answer where he talks about what would you do if you didn't have a radio station? So here's the final
1: answer. Or how did you book interviews when you were just starting out? The issue that I faced when I was a very new host, brand new host, is that, as we've already talked about a little bit, I was intimidated. And as I hear that, I go, I'm not
0: sure why I didn't pull out because we talked about this before. I could have easily pulled that out. But there you go. I took a really long, just rambling question, and I took part of an answer that didn't fit you and combined them into, again, a question and an answer that delivers value. Now, in a second, I'm going to play the part of our conversation where I started to get into an argument. But right now, I want to just take a second to let you know that this show is brought to you by the schoolofpodcasting.com, where we have a number of courses that basically take you from an idea. The planning your podcast course will really fine tune what you want to do with your podcast all the way for how to build a website, how to pick the right equipment so you don't have to spend a million dollars, how to distribute your podcast, how to promote your podcast, how to make money with your podcast if that's something you want to do. So we've got the courses. We have coaching, that's right, twice a month, and then every Wednesday, we have me answering your questions live And we have a great community, a private Facebook group. So if you want to join the School of Podcasting, simply go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start, use the coupon code listener, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and save on either a monthly or yearly subscription. I really look forward to working with you. So when I interview someone, you are my guest on my show. My goal is to make you sound good. But there were a couple things in Dave's book that I was like, "Mm, we're not going to agree on this. And I knew that was going to make a good part of the interview. So Dave was saying that he thought you should launch with 25 episodes. And I was like, wow, I don't I don't know about that. And I was letting Dave voice his opinion and I had voiced mine and we were kind of having this conversation. And then I don't know if I was having flashbacks to being married or what, but all of a sudden I went into the mode where I'm like, I need to win this point. And so here's Dave wrapping up his answer about launching with 25 episodes. And
1: I went into aha mode. It takes a while to get comfortable with it. It takes a while to work the kinks out. It takes a while to know what segments are going to work, what topics are going to work. Ah, how do you
0: know if they're working if they're not released though?
1: Well, I mean, you could, you could release, I mean, here's, here's the thing. I've got a bunch of rules, if you want to call it that in, in the book.
0: And yes, you guessed it. When this came out, it sounded like this. How do you know if they're working, if they're not released though?
1: I've got a bunch of rules, if you want to call it that in, in the book.
0: Now, something else I noticed that in some cases I will remove is what I'm going to call parentheses where somebody's making a point and then they give somewhat of a backstory. And in some cases we don't need the backstory. Now this clip is again, with Dave talking about having twenty five episodes when you launch, and I'll explain
1: what I remove here. It is because that when somebody finds your podcast for the first time, that what they are doing, and you can tell me if you if you agree with this too. so I find a new podcast. Dave Jackson did it, and it's on the topic in general that I'm really interested in. it is because that when somebody finds your podcast. And it's on the topic in general that I'm really interested in.
0: So again, not really a bad answer. I'm just trying to condense it down because I had a lot of material and I'm trying to just take those points that we really needed. And he was kind of drawing the picture there, the, the theater of the mind that you're, you're in Apple podcast, you're looking for a podcast, you find one from Dave Jackson, and it's something that you're interested in. Well, we don't need all that theater of the mind, searching for something, you find something from Dave Jackson, we just need to know that you're searching for something and you find a topic you're in. So I cut out kind of those parentheses type of comments. Now there are times that it's important that you don't edit. And what I mean by this is there are times when someone will pause to answer a question and that pause speaks volumes that, hey, I'm thinking about this. So here's an example where I left the pause in do you think most podcasters are up for the adjusting part?
1: Oh, man, that is such a great question because you see a lot of podcasters that they just want to be heard and they don't listen. Maybe it's not even the adjusting They're not even listening. They just want to blah, 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 get their information out there. They don't care.
0: Now, what would that answer be if I went in and edited all of that out? Do you think most podcasters are up for the adjusting part?
1: You see a lot of podcasters that they just want to be heard and they don't listen. They just want to blah, 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 get their information out there. They don't care. So
0: for me, and this is the cool thing. You're the editor. If you want to be, you can be the editor. And for me, I wanted to show the fact that, hmm, am I a podcaster who isn't willing to look at my show? Am I a person? That doesn't realize that you can't read the label from the inside of the bottle. Am I willing to edit my show? That is something I wanted you as a listener to think about. So consequently, when Dave was pausing there and going, wow, that's a good question. And you know what's cool about that? When somebody actually says that and they mean, hmm, that's a good question, as opposed to, so how long have you been in podcasting? Hey, that's a good question. No, it's not. Speaking of bad questions, here is one that I actually started the interview with.
1: How long did it take you to write this thing? Well, we have to define writing. The entire <laughs> process was four and a half years.
0: If you listen to my podcast rodeo show, where I basically give people an honest first impression, I just give you my opinion. One of the things that I just go, oh, why do people get sucked into this? Is we love to talk about how the sausage is made. And you know what? What? nobody cares. We all want to know how does the sausage taste? In other words, what kind of value can you give me? But we don't, and we probably don't want to know how the sausage is made. And so the only reason I asked that question is I knew it took him four years. And again, in this particular scenario, I'm trying to cut down on any information that doesn't deliver direct value. And in this case, the fact that it took him four years, not really a lot of lessons learned there. He went through a couple different editors and things like that. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think you're tuning in to find out how long did it take him to write the book? It's not like you're going to go, Hey, it took him four years to write the book. It must be good. No, it's good because of his background and all the effort that he took to organize it and to make sure it delivers value. He's got 50 chapters in this thing. So my question that I ended up leading with on the edited version is we talk about his curiosity and even that, I thought about, hmm, if you don't know David Hooper, do you care that he's a really curious person? Which is why, if you listen to that episode again at 664, I then go in and say, oh, if you know David Hooper, this makes so much sense that his mom was a librarian and always encouraged him to ask questions. So I kind of tied in why I thought this was cool, and I realized that not everybody knows David Hooper, but you should. Check him out, bigpodcast.com. I know I keep repeating this, but I want my guest to sound really good. And so in this next example, we went from talking about, are people open to actually editing their show? Are they actually open to an outside opinion to, can you do your own air check? And so that's what Dave is talking about. But in this case, instead of pausing and thinking of the answer he let his mouth go into action,
1: maybe a little sooner than he should have. And they do not listen to the question. They hijack it like a like a politician. So. Because uh, you have a whole thing I think in it, here. I, I, I think I think it can be I think it can be worked on. I think it can be worked on, but I think you have to know. Uh, question. They hijack it like a like a politician. I think it can be worked on, but I think you have to know.
0: And here's another example of me. The question should have been, Hey, Dave, you've had some unorthodox guests on your show. Have you gotten any flack for that? But instead, it came out of my mouth like this. Well, and you seem in real life and on your podcast, one of the things if somebody said, How would you describe David Hooper? One of the adjectives has to be non judgmental. You seem to just like, again, that curiosity comes into place. So instead of judging somebody, you would rather find out, Okay, why are you doing that? Is that, again do you ever get flack for that from people going I can't believe you interviewed her or I can't believe you talked about I can't believe you did Ashley Madison jokes at your <laughs> at your event did you
1: ever oh yeah you ever get flack oh, for that? every every time I speak live
0: now you hear people talk all the time about how you should record with each person in their own separate channel you'll see in that last clip where I was saying do you ever get any flack for that and Dave because of my really weird question asking skills, had actually started to answer the question because, well, he couldn't figure out if I was done or not. Poor Dave. So I could have, if I had separate tracks, muted Dave answering the question as I finally spit out, have you gotten any flack for that? That is one example of having separate tracks would be handy. But in that instance, I listened to it and I'm like, okay, again, it sounds like somebody having a conversation. I'm okay with that. And this is, again, why it comes back to depends. Depends. This is all an opinion, and this is what I chose for my podcast What to Keep and What to Leave. From editing an interview to editing your intro, Morgan Cole does the Brightline podcast. And with his permission, this is part of a call we did where we actually went through and edited his intro. So you're going to actually hear he and I working together to figure out how we can make sure he has his street cred, he's getting across what his show is about in the least amount of words.
2: Okay, so now you got to bear with me because I really want to read to you the intro that I created for myself that I was going to make a canned intro. Like you have yours that's like Dave Jackson thanking you for tuning in. And I liked the way you said thanking you, so I stole that admittedly because I'm trying to cut eyes out.
0: Yeah, I'm talking to one person. I'm thanking you for tuning in.
2: Yes. So, I do have a lot of I's in here, and I'm going to try to get rid of them. What do you mean by an I? I, like I am, I have, things like that.
0: Why are those bad?
2: I just don't like sentences that like 19 of them begin with I. They're not 19 sentences here, but I don't like every sentence beginning with I. So, I'm trying to like... You're talking about me.
0: Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah. All right.
2: Try this with me and tell me if you're just like, holy cow, that is nine times longer than it needs to be, then let's fix it. Or if you're like, I could get by with that, then tell me. I'm your host, Morgan Cole, thanking you for joining us today. I'm a real estate professional and owner of Brightline Property Management in the Woodlands, Texas. I have a passion for sharing my knowledge of investment real estate, particularly the financial analysis and operation of income-producing properties. I'm proud to be both a certified commercial investment member and certified property manager. As a real estate broker, I sponsor syndications of commercial properties and help investors like you buy investment real estate. Don't forget to subscribe to our show and check out our website at brightlinepodcast.com. I love feedback on the show, so please send me a message at morgan at brightlinepodcast.com and let me know what you think, or feel free to ask me questions. Your question or comment may likely become a future show topic.
0: Okay, you're asking for feedback and reviews, and they haven't heard anything to feedback or review on. Great point. Yeah, so it's like... Put that at the end. Yeah. The one thing I would cut out, is go back to the I'm the owner of the
2: yeah so I'm your host thank you for joining us today I'm a real estate professional and owner of Brightline Property Management in the Woodlands Texas
0: is in the Woodlands Texas part of your name nope the only reason I say that is because we just heard
2: yep where it's located in the yeah, commercial
0: yeah so Mike we're, we're kind of doing at some okay. point you're gonna go okay I got it Brightline's in the Woodlands <laughs> all right I just heard all right, that so seconds ago
2: All right. So, I have a passion for sharing my knowledge of investment real estate, particularly the financial analysis and operation of income-producing properties. You would probably say I could ditch that because the next sentence is, I am proud to be both a certified commercial investment member and certified property manager.
0: Yeah. And if you are that, what are you? You're You're passionate about everything you just said.
2: Good point. So, I'm going to hit X and remove that. move that
0: to the removed section. Yeah, I guess what I would do is think about your audience and what can you say to them that's going to make them, going to give you some street cred. Well, shorter is better. Yeah.
2: I don't know if, I haven't figured out exactly what I'm going to call myself. I am a real estate professional. That's a term. I'm a professional real estate investor. You know, that's a term. I feel like, and this is getting into nuances that probably wouldn't matter to you, but if you call someone a professional real estate investor, That almost means that's their only occupation. Whereas my job is not specifically investing in real estate. It's running a real estate investment company. That's why I said I am a real estate professional.
0: There you go. And what you can do is, you know, later if you're, I don't know, this is where you can drop hints to people. So you could say, I don't know, for me, it's like I was working with a client the other day. That's all I have to say. And instantly my, my audience knows, oh, this guy does consulting. Mm-hmm. I don't have to say I'm a consultant, blah, blah, blah. If I say I'm working on a new chapter for my book, okay, this guy's working. You know, just there are things you could so if you can take experiences that you're doing, or or you can say, I remember this one time I was working on this one property, and holy cow, now it's a story, and then you get to strut off your experience, and here's because I'm, you know, and because I've done this for 10 years and I'm certified, I knew not to do this or whatever. So there are ways you can kind of scratch your back and, and kind of flex your muscles without just blatantly going, I know what I'm doing. And just you, you kind of explain it through your stories and your examples. So I'm going to break in here. Your intro doesn't have to have everything about you. Your intro just has to suck them in enough to get them to the next segment.
2: Okay. I do mention the last sentence is as a real estate broker. So I say I'm a broker. Right. I sponsor syndications of commercial properties and help investors like you buy investment real estate.
0: Syndications of what was that? Commercial properties. Does that make sense in your community? It does, but it's, okay. it, um, it's, um, from somebody outside your community. I'm like, I have no idea what that means.
2: Now let's just ditch that. I'll say as a real estate broker, I've been working with clients like you for over 10 years buying investment real estate. Beautiful.
0: There's a, uh, there's a book called Story Brand by this guy named Don Miller, and one of his key phrases is, if it confuses you, or if you confuse, you lose.
2: Okay, well, we just chopped out half of that, Dave. Okay. I'm going to say it real quick. I'm your host, Morgan Cole, thanking you for joining us today. I'm a real estate professional and owner of Brightline Property Management. I am proud to be both a certified commercial investment member and certified property manager. As a real estate broker, I've been working with clients like you for over 10 years buying investment real estate. Hold on. I actually could delete the second sentence where I say I am a real estate professional and owner of Brightline Property Management and I could replace it with the last sentence and we could make this even shorter because I don't know that I actually have to say that I own. Do I need to say I own Brightline Property Management for this to be effective? Or you could shorten it. Um, As a real estate broker and owner of Brightline Property Management. Bingo. That's what I was going for. I'm going to maybe change I am proud to be both. Like, it's a big deal. Those are both super-duper big-time designations in my industry. But I don't, I mean, proud, I am proud. But I, I might need to find a better way to say I am proud to be both of those. I might just need to say also I am somehow. Not say also I am. But, or do you think it's okay to say I am proud?
0: Well, here's the thing. You just said I am proud. And I'm like, well, then say I'm proud.
2: Yeah. Be yourself. Okay. So let's say we leave that. What is the transition then? Would you say after that, don't forget to subscribe to our show and check out our website at brightlinepodcast.com.
0: How about check out our website at brightlinepodcast.com where you can subscribe, contact and everything else. Brightlinepodcast.com.
2: What, what were, what are the other points you want to hit on that? Subscribe. You said it, it rolled off your tongue.
0: Subscribe, contact and sign up for our newsletter. Anything, any other little baby call to action. Basically what you're doing there is you're painting the picture that everything you want from you is at your website and then just end it again. So go to brightlinepodcast.com where you can subscribe, contact, subscribe to the newsletter. Again, it's all there. Brightlinepodcast.com.
2: Okay. I like that a lot.
0: Always filter everything through the ears of your target audience. And so this is not an invisible sky buddy alert. It just so happens to be that I'm going to talk about my church. They're going to have a new sign put out front where it says community church. And they were going to have it say where the word is important. And I said, okay, hold on. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of our target audience. Somebody who is not a church going person. The word is a very jargony kind of God kind of thing. I said, and does anybody who doesn't go to church care that to you the word is important? I go, why don't we change it to community church where you are important? Because I want to go somewhere where everyone knows my name. Sing it with me. Everyone wants to sing the cheers jingle. And they're like, hmm. And I go, yeah, we got to put our hat on that. And I think we ended up with community church where the Bible and you are important or something like that. But you have to think through the ears of your audience.
1: I, I was making radio shows for fun. If, if Everybody does it. At least everybody I know. Shut up.
0: I went out to Steve Stewart's Facebook group that's filled with audio editors. There are plenty of people that will help you edit your show. And I said, what's the fastest it would take to just de-um a 60-minute episode? And the fastest that most people said was about an hour and a half. Cause you figure it's going to take at least an hour to listen to it. Plus the time to actually go and do that. And the longest end was somewhere between three and four hours. And this is why some people go, I don't have time to edit my show. And then other people go, I would love to pay an editor. I don't have the money for this. And this is where for me, I edit almost every show I do. I don't like to have all the ums because number one, as you've heard most of the time, I'm not editing a guest I'm editing me And one way to speed up your editing is to do more planning. It's very simple. More planning equals less editing. Less planning equals more editing because you're not really sure what you're going to say. So in the end, it's up to you if you want to edit or not. I just wanted to have an episode. So when somebody says, what do you mean by editing? I can say, go listen to episode number 665 of the School of Podcasting. Just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 665, and you can hear exactly what I'm talking about. Next week, we have episode number 666. And as I record this right now, I am in Las Vegas at the National Association of Broadcasters event. And speaking of that, they were my sponsor last week. And I want to mention the She Podcast Kickstarter. If you go to shepodcast.com slash Kickstarter, and again, links in the show notes, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 665. I wanted to mention them last week, and this is one of the disadvantages in some cases of having a sponsor. Last week, the NAB was sponsoring this show, and I couldn't mention my friends, Jess and Elsie, for free when I had somebody paying to have me mention their show. That's one of the downsides of sponsors in some cases. But if you haven't signed up, ShePodcast.com slash Kickstarter. They are about 90% funded. And gentlemen, I thought we were going to be banned because we had dinglies. But it turns out that if you have uh, male genitalia, you are not banned from the premises. Now, the information is definitely geared towards people that are of a female persuasion. But you are not banned from attending. So if you want to go, the speakers and the content will be very much female oriented, but if you want to go, you can actually go to she podcast as a male. So I want to pass that along. It should be a very interesting event. This is the first one. And so you could actually sign up again, shepodcast.com slash Kickstarter and say, Hey, I was at the very first one. Cause I can say I was at the very first podcast movement. I was at the very first MapCon. There's a bunch of those. And it's fun to then watch them go. But I wanted to definitely give a shout out to my buddies, Elsie and Jessica. shepodcastcom slash Kickstarter. I will see you next week with episode number 666. Until then, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. And in that episode, I completely fart. I ah, crap. Remember to always filter every thring, every fring, every frame.